Right, let's just do a little intro. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. This is very much a broken oars indoors. Something I've been planning to do for a long time. I've been um, getting a couple of sub-7 IRC stalls on board, uh, part of a little sort of uh, online race raiding party that we put together through Facebook. And I would like to welcome to the pod, um, obviously, I have my co-host here, Mr. Oh, Dr. Aaron Jackson, but I'd like to welcome Ian Wilde and Dylan Dragswick. Am I saying that right? Dragswick, yeah. Dragswick. Um, from Sub7 Indoor Rowing Club. So this is very much going to be about indoor rowing. It's going to be about pulling hard and sort of like eating pain, more or less. So, Ian, Dylan, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourselves, where you're from, um, and how you got involved in the sport of moving air competitively. Do you want to Ian, start, Dylan? Sure, we'll go alphabetical. Uh, <laughs> Dylan Dragswick, uh, I am in the U.S., Minnesota, uh, to be specific, very northern Minnesota, uh, as I mentioned, in the green room. Uh, had to travel very northern Minnesota, practically Canada. Um, I got involved with rowing during COVID. I'd kind of had done it now and then um, for years. I was actually really much more of a long distance runner, but because of kind of a back injury, pinched nerve, I haven't been able to run in quite a long time. But it was always would kind of go on the rowing machine, not knowing what I was doing. And yeah, I picked up a concept two or 2021, beginning of the year, and um, quickly just didn't know what I was doing. So researched youtube and facebook and instagram and everything like that and yeah that's kind of how i latched on to sub seven so how long because it's the short version yeah i mean because you, you've got some like genuinely fierce times i mean i, th I think you've like uh you've done like an online world called like 606 604 or something no not quite that fast uh 611 611. Oh, well, that's, yeah, yeah that's, that's, yeah. that's, that's really bad, man. That's like slow. He said, leaving the room. That's fair. So, I mean, I mean, that you're, I mean, we're all of an age in the chat at the moment. Right. We're all that kind of like mid forties. Yeah. I'm 44 right now. So I mean, that, that's like a ferocious time. I mean, <laughs> when, when, when did you kind of like get there and think, yeah, shit, I'm, I'm actually really good at that. What, uh, the moment for you? I feel like, you know, I was kind of, you know, I saw you kind of had in the notes when I wonder, and I don't know, it feels weird saying that, that I was good, but, you know, I think early on, I jumped on some of the online competitions. I think row series, I was, did three months in and was able to get tied for third for my age group. Matt West was ahead of us and Simon Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, two names I didn't quite know. And I think around then that's probably when I started like asking Matt for training advice, like, you know, learn from the best as I like to do. And I don't know. I think it was a few months later, back in like September, October, I did a 2K on my own. And that's when I got like a 618. And I think I knew I was like in really good shape for that going into the, the virtual worlds. I don't know. I think getting third though at that, that 611 got me third place on. I think that's when I felt like I really knew, okay, yes, I'm very, you doing very good for my age group, not knowing anything about rowing. Can I ask a question, Loon, before you jump in? Yeah. 
Could you just elaborate a little bit on your background, Dylan? Because just casually jumping on an erg and knocking out a 618 <laughs> is not necessarily shabby. So are you coming from yeah. a, an aerobic background from from the running background that you described? Were you a pretty competitive yeah. runner? Because you, you seem like the rest of us that I can see on the video, we're quite big chaps and runners tend right. to be... Runners tend to be kind of little, kind of about 10 stone wet through, you know, couldn't pull the skin off a rice pudding. And you just casually yeah. sit down and knock out a 618. So you've got a background. Yes, I've always been in the Clydesdale division, but uh, definitely always a runner. Um, you know, high school track, I was over 200 pounds then, but was able to do a uh, 39 mile. And then started getting into ultras and distance, broken three hours for the marathon. Granted, those were, you know, in my younger years. Um, but, you know, did a lot of trail runs, I've ultras, 50 mile race. I've done a hundred mile race. So I guess I've always liked the endurance. So there's an aerobic base there, but also, yeah. and this might come out a bit later, there's also the psychological understanding of what it means to to work hard and go through kind of the pain barriers when you're, when you're doing a marathon or a 2K. Yeah, or whatever, that, it's that... expected to hurt. I'm a type, type two fun kind of person. Okay. Definitely. <laughs> no, you can have to explain that one to me. I, I like type two fun. Uh, <laughs> type one fun is things that are probably actually fun. Type two fun's more like uh, things that you maybe enjoyed afterwards. And then there's like oh, type man, three I fun. Really I'm not quite sure. That's probably like much. suffering. That's... And there's there's a yeah. There's a Welcome chart. to I rowing. Don't know how to best explain, but Welcome well, to rowing. rowing. We're all type, type twos fun. here. We're all yeah. type twos in rowing. Yeah. It's so fun. They... It's not actually fun in the moment, but it's fun to reminisce about later. And I mean, so how quick was it that you got into there and said, yeah, I, okay, no, here, here's the thing. Here's something really important. Do you actually really enjoy this or are you just like, I enjoy it because I'm good at it? I think I really enjoy it. I think since, um, you know, I had, I had a back injury, I pinched a nerve or something. I've never been able to run. And I think that's my, what I liked about trail running. It was very meditative, um, You've got to be paying attention in the moment, making sure you're, you know, not going to trip over a rock or road. It's hard to think too much. And I think for me being on the, on the erg, I'm, it's kind of meditative as well. I'm always kind of concentrating on stroke rate pacing, you know, it's, you can kind of, you can't really daydream or start thinking too much about other things. Um, so I guess I do enjoy it for that way. I like take a few days off and I, I think it affects my mental mood, but yeah, being good at it definitely helps it's definitely exciting to win competitions and get the medals. But I think also, I think the other thing I like about it, I, you want to know if I actually enjoyed the actual rowing. Yeah. Well, like the... I, I asked the question because I started, was it an argument or was it discussion yesterday on Twitter? I think it's an argument loon. And I think that lawyers will be calling us very shortly from triathletes <laughs> all across the globe. Yeah, so I, I kind of started this like, yeah, let's call it an argument on Twitter yesterday. And it turned out this guy who, he, he's like a former Cambridge rower and he bounced around the bottom end of the Australian squad for a while. And he actually said he never really enjoyed rowing for its own sake. He, if, if, he, if he had a spare afternoon, he'd always want to go and do something. So he'd want to go, go for a run or he'd go for a ride or he'd go for a walk in the country. He'd never actually go out for a row or sit down on the rowing machine for a row. And it was this really bizarre like admission that this guy, you know, he's like massive animal. He's six foot nine or something. And I've always kind of looked up to him as like, if I can be that good, I'm really good. 
And it turns out he's never actually enjoyed it. He just liked being good at it. And and he liked getting better. I, I found that quite bizarre when I, I just like, you know, literally now I've just come off the ergo because, oh, I've got an hour. I can I can slot it in. And, you know, I really enjoy it. So, I, I don't know. It's, it, just, it just strikes me as a bit odd sometimes that the way people look at rowing. It's a fine distinction, but it's an interesting one. So so did you, did the pair of you, do you like it because you're good at it or do you like it because in the moment you're actually enjoying it? And I think Loon and I would both say that both on a rowing machine and in, in a boat, we've had some horrific outings that, that, that trauma therapy has helped to erase, but we've also had moments where we've actually really just enjoyed the process, not just be, not just the aftermath and going, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. We won that. Yeah. We did that. So where, where does that distinction lie for you guys? Um, I think I enjoy the rowing. I mean, I, before I knew much about, about it or started the competitions, I think there, there's a reason I went out and got a rowing machine. I enjoyed it enough and I needed something to some way to exercise. And I feel like the, the feeling I get rowing is similar to running where it's, you know, working hard, like biking. It's not quite the same. You, you have to work for a long time to maybe get that feeling. I think biking. So I enjoyed rowing before I knew I was good at it. Oh, sorry. Ian, I want to bring you in here. Sorry, man. I'm getting the names mixed up. Um, so same kind of thing. You're just like spectacularly good at just going for it and then going for it again. And that that is just that is so valuable in the sport. But where where does that come from for you? So my my background is is military. Um, spent most of my my early years or most of my career with uh, with airborne forces. So it was a lot of tough physical activity all of the time, every day. Um, and similar to to Dylan, how I got into rowing was actually through being injured. And then it's working around still being able to train while you've got an injury, working around that injury. So um, this was obviously back in early 2000s, pre-Facebook and pre-social media. Um, I was I was going into physio rehab and and warming up on on the rowing machine, and then found the concept to logbook. Started to put my times into that, and then and then it was a a bit of an addiction then to say, oh, look where I look where I am amongst everyone else. Um, Facebook didn't come along till I don't know six, seven years later. Whereas I'd I'd had that sort of steady rowing as well as doing all the military training, military exercising, and all that sort of stuff. Got to the sort of the, where where I joined Facebook two thousand six, seven, eight, or wherever it was. I'd been injured again, and I was coming back to rowing to to help following an injury. Um, and I thought, oh, Facebook, let's type concept two into Facebook. And it took me through to a monthly challenge group that's run by Nigel Brockton, Canada. And so it was to row, I think it was two and a half K four times, but individually, not not back to back. You could do it over four days. You could do it all in one day. So I think over two days, I did two of these. And then on the third day, I, I got the call from um, the legendary Rod Chin. And he he, uh, yeah. he said, yeah. oh, I, I, I see you're not affiliated to, to any clubs. And I had that chat with him. He he, he got me with the fishing rod, reeled me in, and, and the rest is history. So so is Rod Chin that brought you into Sub 7? 
It was, yeah. Awesome. And okay, so that that's something I kind of wanted to talk about because for me, certainly for the past three years of my life, being a part of Sub Seven has been a very sort of like it's a noticeable part of my life. It is it is a badge I wear with a degree of pride. And tell us a little bit about what it is, what you get from it. Why did you stick with it? Why Sub Seven? I think for me, um, as I said, I came through the early days of there not being any social media and it was just the, the logbook. So you could you could put your times in and you could look at the screen and that was it. The interaction you got was you looking at the screen and, oh, that's where I am in, in the rankings. Were, were you ever on the forum back in no. the day? You weren't on the CT forum. Fair enough. Okay. Well, I, I, again, I didn't know about it. Fair enough. Yeah. So that's, the, that, Facebook that coming along gave that interactivity. Yeah. No, the, the C2 is still kind of going, but I mean, Facebook has just taken all away. Sorry, I, I interrupted you there. Well, so you interrupted Lewin because you wanted to know whether back in the day you've actually raced against this man and how much faster <laughs> he was he was than you then. Man, you are too competitive. It's, it's years ago. Let it go, man. I, 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 no, I, I'm probably going to say go back. It's 2008. Look up the time. <laughs> I'd say all, all that matters now is how fast your four minute is. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I was waiting. I was waiting till the last minute for that, that time Take to come my in. Dagger from my heart. I was waiting for the 1298 to slip in there. It, uh, it, it just didn't happen. I just was I, I was just getting closer and closer to the end of the month and just feeling it less and less, frankly. It was just, uh, yeah, the, the the brain just wasn't prepared to take me there. So anyway, back to Sub7. You're, I mean, you're obviously, you're like uh, an admin for the Facebook page now. It's, it's clearly been a big part of your life too. What is it that's kind of like really, what is it that makes it what it is? I think... Um... I think for, for us, for, for the, the sort of diehard cohort of, of Sub7 that are involved in most stuff, I think it's that, it is that, that social side of it. Um, and for me, it, it's that accountability. I say I'm coming from a, a military background and all the sort of training, physical training stuff. There's always someone there watching you, seeing what you're doing, you're looking at the time and all that sort of stuff. When you're training on your own, when you're on a rowing machine or whatever, you don't necessarily have that. But for me, that you know adds that point one of a second faster for me is that I know that you, um, Dylan, Rob, yeah. Casey, all these all these people are there, and I I have to get that point one ahead. You know, it, it keeps me accountable and it pushes me that bit harder. Yeah, I I completely agree. I mean, it, that's been a great thing. I also think that there is just like I think there's this very very good atmosphere for. 40 year old blokes in sub seven there is there is this just slight we all grew up in the 90s we all remember just that kind of era of just saying absolutely anything you wanted to say and it was all just a bit of a joke um and now it's the only place that where you're allowed to do it well, I, I mean, the world police will kill you. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't even think that you're gonna. You, you could necessarily get away with like doing that on Facebook. But I, I think probably Casey Clark, isn't it? He kind of leads it. There is just that sense that you can just be like a bit of a disagreeable ass if you feel in that particular mood, and just like say anything. But yeah, 
Um, so actually, here, here's the thing, guys. This, the, the concept two cross-team challenge, which, I mean, arguably sub-7 was set up before minute crack. So at 12.93 versus 12.97. That four metres is important, Lewin. That four metres is important. Size matters, I, man. I, 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 matters. I, I, I spent a little bit of time crying about it last month. So, yeah, the... The concept to cross team challenge for the listeners, please tell us a bit about it, you know, and tell us why you should get into it, particularly if you're a woman. I think uh, you know one of the things that we keep mentioning about is the the social aspect of it. R- rowing is a lo- indoor rowing is a lonely sport because you're on that machine on your own. This gives it that sort of social element and and putting yourself in there with other people. Uh, I suppose too, it's free. It doesn't cost anything. It, you know, it's it's a way of measuring yourself against all the other people that are doing exactly the same thing in your weight and, and gender. Um, and it's, it's a way of measuring yourself. It's free motivation. It's you know, free social. It's free and it's fun. We'll go yeah. back to that type two fun. Can I ask a question? And this is both to, uh, this is to both of you, Dylan and, and, and Ian. I am a rower who got on the rowing machine because there was a boat waiting for me at the end of the week. Now, I didn't mind the rowing machine. I quite enjoyed it. I did it with all of my friends. I did it with Lewin and the, and the guys that I trained with at, at Agecroft. But I'm not like Lewin in as much as I've got an hour. Let's hurt myself on a rowing machine. If I hear the words, I've got an hour... I'm probably going for a run or I'm taking a skipping rope outside or I'm doing the it's it's not something that necessarily attracts me as much as the idea of putting a boat on the water and and taking a boat out. But the sense that I'm getting from both of you uh, and Dylan, you're in North America, Ian, you're in England, but you've connected through this. Would it be fair to say that this is a club environment, a welcoming club environment for indoor rowers in the same way that outdoor rowers have their clubs, they have their Tyne Uniteds or their Agecrofts or their Bedfords or whatever. Yeah, I think that sounds probably similar. I mean, not having been on a rowing club, but been, I've been a part of other teams. And definitely, I think having that social aspect to it, the the competition within the team, you know, and maybe against other teams, um, I think that's definitely a big part of it. I know for me, I joined Sub7 uh, when I was kind of just getting started. I, since I didn't know much about rowing, I knew I, you know, trying to just watch videos or just talk to me, I wanted to interact with people more directly. And Sub7 just kind of came up. I remember just watching Worlds. There was a guy in my age group who was not Sean Bastic, who was, uh, he was listed as being part of Sub7. And I, there was, I saw that listed a few other times with names. And so I was like, well, this seems like the group to go join. And I just kind of reached out to them. But immediately what, you know, what I was looking for was you know, training plans, you know, like going back to like episodes, reviewing all those. I, I, I definitely have gone through that process. And it started, I think, at the, with Sub7, just, you know, reaching out to a few people, um, Casey, Matt, um and having them share some of those training plans that really helped and f- as far as the uh the ctcs I, I i love the competition and i think that the fact that it changes every month and um, like this month's you know nine reps at 333 meters you get these odd workouts that you never wouldn't necessarily do they're not you know the four minutes that's relatively standard it's at least uh, a ranked piece on the on the logs but i you know the ctc and also a lot of competitions just the variety of workouts and you have to figure out how to adjust i i can't think of a lot of other sports that have competitions like that that you know aren't standardized and then being a part of sub seven you know you like i said it's the same thing you have the competition within the team and, and then together as the team and the, the competition i think is what helps 
motivate me to train harder. I think that's that's why I actually got a concept too. I remember when I was look trying to I knew I wanted a rowing machine. I knew I wanted I knew I wanted to be competitive. I just know myself, you know, entering events that helps me train and I knew constant C2 was the the way to go. That's what I get out of uh, like about the uh, the monthly challenges. There's almost too many of them. I always I'm known in, in the group as the the procrastinator. I always wait till the last minute. <laughs> You know, the last two days of the month, you know, I'm going to do the CTC and then our inner ITC, our inner team event. I There's always so many other things going on, um, but you got to do it. Got to be a part of the team. Yeah. For, for me, the, the big thing I really enjoy about it is, is like the boat system in the CTC. The, the fact you get the average score of five people and you've got to have your female rower in there. And as of yet, I mean, there is the individual competition. There is that. There is that individual grudge match going up. And it's like who you can beat by like point one of a split. Simon Jones. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's just taken me. He's just taken me back, and I'm going to have to it's like give it a crack on Friday. But it, it is also that thing that it's about putting teams together, and it's about very often it's not decided the three big meatheads on the left-hand side of the boat. It's about your lightweight and your women rower and the people we don't have a lot of desperately try to recruit in. Um, is that gen- is that kind of true across the sport? Because I know, you know, one thing that does seem like it's, it's, it is heavily weighted towards those heavyweights, the three big guns. Yeah. Is, that, is there just not enough women and lightweights in the sport in general, do you think? You guys know more about it than I do. I mean, well, on, on indoor rowing, I, I think... Or just regular rowing, even. I don't know. I mean, regular rowing, um, women's rowing is is a big part of the sport and growing, definitely. If you, it, it, I don't know how much you know about Henley Royal Regatta, which is the big English-British rowing event. That, when I started rowing, out of 12 events, it had two women's events. And they were like tiny little things, like there were three races in the remnant. Um, now it's almost a gender parity. So there are almost as many races for women as there are for men. And then there's also Henley Women's Regatta, which doesn't allow any men in at all, ever. And this isn't a sore point for me in any way, shape, or form. Not at all. Um, not at all. exercises you at all. I, I don't get stressed about it. I don't think they they could be slightly more generous with their time, but never mind. So, so yeah, it's really growing, but I, I think it would probably be good if we could persuade more women into indoor rowing. But given that my wife, who is the only person in the house who has a British rowing indoor championship gold medal, I would say she didn't have a lot of competition on the day. She, she would literally rather do anything other than sit on a rowing machine. I mean, it, it's, it's literally, you know, it's raining and the exercise bike is broken. It's like, I could go for a row. No. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if it's just something she doesn't want to do. I uh, knew there was a reason why I loved your wife. She's wonderful that way. Um, <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's I, 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 I think it would be really cool to get, get more women in the sport, but that, no, it's definitely a sport orientated towards big, heavy, strong men, both on the water and off. 
But uh, but and and this will have to. I'm I'm really sorry, Dylan and Ian, but I literally have to go and put a boat on the water at six o'clock. So this will be my last contribution. So I will look forward to hearing whatever your response is to this. And it was an absolute pleasure to meet you both. I think, Lewin, culturally, certainly in Britain, we are still very much weighted towards what big heavyweight men do, whether that's at Henley in the club events or whether that's um, internationally. We we lord a, a Redgrave or, or a Pinsent. We don't hear as much about a Kath Granger or a Helen Glover. We don't even hear that much about someone like a Zach Purchase, who was a phenomenal scholar and an awesome, absolutely awesome oarsman. And I think that that's maybe because in Britain we, you know, and I hate to go back uh, back on this, but we we are quite a class based society, and traditionally we have ideas about what rowing and rowers look like. It looks like the boat race. It looks like Oxford and Cambridge men. It's only reasonably recently that the boat race has uh, invited women to compete on the same day. Henley Women's Regatta is now an absolute powerhouse, but as Loon pointed out, it's had to build up. And while it's been building up, Henley Regatta has got bigger and bigger and bigger, you know, record entries, record people trying to qualify, record numbers of, of boats going down the track. I think, and I don't know whether this is a, something that happens in sub seven with what you're talking about. You've got to have your lightweight. You've got to have your woman uh, um, in your crew. I think that to get that kind of more gender parity or more recognition, maybe we have to start looking at mixed crews on the water in the way that you guys are doing it um, within the sub seven community. And that's the last thought I'll leave you with. And I will love you and leave you and wave you goodbye. But I, I look forward to hearing whatever your response is. Well, have a good time on the water. Yeah, I will. I will do my best. I'm going to try not to fall in, which if I'm in a single is always a possibility. Okay, guys, I will see you all later. Farewell for now. Take care. Cheers. Cool. We can say whatever we want now. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's always been one of the things that I liked about the CTC. But yeah, uh, I think I think for I think one of the difficult things for women coming into this as a sport is that the top of the table is all those big men with the fast times. So when you open when you open that website and it's like, what is this? You look at it straight away and it's like it's just I'm nowhere I'm nowhere near those without even looking at the names, you're looking at the times and the distances yeah. and you're thinking, Oh, I'm nowhere near that level. And it straight away kind of pushes you away. So it would be a really neat thing if we actually had like a like a sort by gender button. So so you could just like yeah. just see women, just see lightweights or Are you suggesting the website needs updating? Well the website that literally has much <laughs> um Yeah, you... no, I mean it would, I think that would really help. I mean, I, you know, beyond just yeah, the regular it user it interface i mean it works great and... for what it is but yeah no yeah. i understand yeah i mean coming from a web background i get it like somebody something gets built and it works and enough and it just lasts forever but i i think something like that would absolutely help you know whether it's a filter or even kind of a sub ranking you know order I, I don't know but there i'm sure there's a way to be more inclusive uh, which would then encourage more women to do it because i i think you know uh just being on Instagram, there's a lot of women out there and I'm sure, you know, I know some of them are definitely on teams, but there, there's a lot of women out there that are just rowing and you, you see them on there. Maybe they're not necessarily part of teams, but I'm sure it is a bit intimidating or maybe it doesn't feel as inclusive. And, you know, I mean, you know, the, 
the was it the diamonds i forget their their team name you yeah. know all the you know it's the over 16 more yeah. experienced the experienced rowers i'm gonna say um you know they, there's a large numbers of them and they're you know they have their niche in there um in there and uh, maybe niche is not the right word they feel included just doing their own thing I, they're all happy doing that and i don't know maybe we, we almost need a similar group or uh some effort to include more women yeah i did actually have this discussion with my wife how much money would i be allowed to buy the rights to the c2 website the, the the ctc website and then get a friend of mine who does website developing on the site to update it what uh, was the answer what's your, are you putting a bit out there <laughs> it, it, it was a figure that only involved that only had three numbers in it and i just thought that's not really gonna cover you it didn't, you didn't get enough of that manscaping money no god yeah the manscaping money. i'm right i don't know if i should do this <laughs> No, I'm. I'm not going to say anything bad about. You don't have to say, it. yeah. At, at you point, did not. You can just say no. You did not get enough manscaping money to afford the website. Manscaping money. We did not. Definitely not. Um, yeah, um, an, an old sponsor who, in the end, got a lot of free advertising from us. Yeah. So okay. So okay. This is the next thing you guys have done. A lot of different races online, and I've tried to keep up with you. In terms, sometimes I believe I've actually even gone faster than you on occasion. But what I haven't done is managed to get like the sheer volume of racing. You've both been to like Worlds. You've both been to like all the virtual races, all the online races. How, I mean, which is the best of them? Which are the ones that you really enjoy? Which, were, which online races would you recommend getting involved in? It's a, that's a difficult one now because my my personal favourite was was row series, uh, which doesn't seem to be functional at the moment, or it doesn't seem to be that I've, I've messaged the the team and that, and there's the 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 websites down, and and then nothing comes back from the Facebook. So I'm not entirely sure what's what's actually happened there. Um, but that was all. That was the first one, the first online competition that that I tried. Um, uh, and there was Romania that followed very similar. There's been Road Royalty in the background. I know there was, there was a little bit of Teddy throwing and bickering in the background of Road Royalty when they started to change what they were doing or, or give give the instructions out after everyone had done it. But for me, Road Ro Series was, was up there as, as the pinnacle. Yeah, I'd agree. I've done all those. And, and I think, yeah, I, Road Series probably seems the most consistent, just it was multiple times a year. Road Royalty is the biggest. I, I have all fairly similar. The massive names. I think Ollie's Idler got involved in road royalty at some point. Tom Buckham's done that. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I, I told him this personally when I met him at Worlds, but I, you know, when I was just behind him in the rankings, that's when you knew road royalty had done something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I should not have been anywhere close to him. But, um, but yeah, I, that's a really big one and lots of money involved. And, and I, one of my favorite things about the most recent one that we did do is we put a sub seven team, two sub seven teams together and we took, yeah. ended up taking first and second. And I thought that was great because it was really, you know, not just the mixed genders, but really international. It was myself, Peter from England, Elena in the Ukraine and Benita from Norway. Um, and that was just really cool to be a part of. And I think Ian, your team was kind of similar 
Yeah, there's there's me, there's Rob from so we say Gibraltar, uh, Marlin from Sweden, um, and and from from the UK as well. I mean, I, th- I think this is just one of the great things about the whole online thing is that you can just be racing people from all over the world and just you know meet people you'd have never have met and in, in like your day to day life. And I, I don't know. I, I've just found. I've just found a lot of like really, really fun, chilled out people in the whole indoor racing world. And almost in, in a lot of ways, it seems it seems much more relaxed and much more kind of like, I don't know, almost encouraging compared to the on the water world. But I mean, I, I know you guys don't have a lot of experience with it, but it, it just, the on the water world can get quite political and quite bitchy at times. I mean, and I, I suppose if you listen to like half the podcasts tonight, we don't stop moaning about the clubs. Absolutely. I think it is really encouraging. I think that's one of my favorite parts about it. You know, I, that's probably what's also helped fuel me and, you know, keeps me involved, whether it's being on Instagram and, and just everybody, the encouragement there. I think my favorite part of going to the Worlds this last year, or that was my first and only in person race, was just getting to meet all these people. And everybody was so encouraging and, and, uh, you know, it's just I, probably everybody's just happy to be racing live again. But yeah, that's absolutely one of my favorite parts about it. And when you're, I think there's, if you're not doing a, an event and you see everybody posting about it, that's when the FOMO sets in and you're, yeah. you're wishing you were a part of it because you, you're kind of missing out. And so just to be included in it I, and, and be, you know, doing the same workouts that everybody else is doing, it's a, it's a pretty unique, unique situation. I can't think of a lot of similarities. Yeah, yeah. With, with with the worlds, with the worlds, I wasn't I wasn't initially going because I say it's something you probably want to speak about later. Long COVID and that it took a bit of a toll on me, and I was sort of struggling for a bit. Um, and speaking to a couple of people, and it was the worlds was coming up, and I did intended to go to it, but then I thought, no, I'm I'm nowhere near where I need to be. Um, I did the, I think it was actually road royalty, so I, I did that, and I came off that thinking actually. I'm not too bad. Um, and then um, Paul Sanderson messaged me and said, you go in the Worlds. And I thought, oh, Paul's going. So I, I should probably make an effort here. It was past the deadline. So I, I spoke to World Rowing and, and they came back saying, yeah, give us your details. And we're looking at filling the slots after we've, we've done everything. So they came back to me and they said, yeah, we can offer you a place. So I signed up. Paul dropped out. <laughs> and then obviously I then went and then Dylan looked after me over there. For me, it's been a long time since I've been to a live race. I, w- I was signed up to go to the the Brick in winter, and then they cancelled that. Have you done an indoor rowing race before? Oh yeah, yeah, loads. Okay. Yeah, I, I so I I used to live in Manchester, and so they so there's this rowing club called Hollingworth Lake Rowing Club, and they used to put on the English Indoor Rowing Championships. <laughs> Um, as opposed to British, and did that in the. I Man- totally understand it. You definitely don't have to explain the differences. <laughs> no, no, let's let's I stop. Know. I, I, I mostly Aaron, understand. Aaron's the man for that. He'll he'll talk about how you know, <laughs> there's, there's various bits, uh, oppressed bits of the United Kingdom that the Southern overlords have been like stamping down on, and I'll say, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, you're absolutely right, and we're happy with it. Uh, no, um, so I, I've done a lot of the English indoor. I've done three or four British rowing indoor back in the day. 
I, th- I think they're great. I think they're really, really enjoyable events. I love the idea that you can just end up like halfway through the day and somebody taps you on the shoulder and says, do you want to do the relay? And you end up just demolishing yourself at five o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> in, the, uh, in the Manchester velodrome and just, you know, literally just standing there on your knees having done a mixed re- relay and then you get... Did you start drinking beforehand? <laughs> and then you got invited on a relay? Is that what happened? Because I know a guy that, that did that. Yeah. Um, there may have been... Uh, hadn't actually been drinking beer, but I just, like, I got my hands on a, on a very dirty milkshake about three quarters of an hour beforehand. <laughs> and, and, and I regretted it. I regretted it. And, and uh, the organisers regretted it. Um, but there you go. Um, I got it most of it in the bin, but but yeah, I mean, I, I I just kind of worried. I think they're a really great event, but I do worry that they're gonna die out. Can they, can they keep going? Do you think? I think yeah, I think they can. I, it, particularly, I think the world is is, is going to carry on. Um, and it's 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 hard times at the moment for for you know a, a lot of people. So that that financial and when when the when you look at it on on paper, you know how much how many pounds am i spending for you know one and a half minutes of rowing or, or seven minutes of rowing um it's can i justify it and i think brick i think we were possibly unlucky because there's usually that swarm of late entries and i think at that at that moment they probably didn't have enough when they decided to cancel it i think i think they also sort of like did the thing they put it on in like some ridiculously like top-end venue as opposed to just like let's just go to a conference center somewhere and and just like and the entry fee was pretty high too, wasn't it? Rel- you know, relative to it's like forty quid. I mean, I'm I I'm always a little bit worried about this because I I think that if you compare it to something like a triathlon, you know, you you'll you'll pay one hundred and twenty quid to, to do two sprint triathlon races at Dorney Lake, and people are just like, yeah, that's absolutely fine. That's just what it costs. And then they get really, really bent out of shape about paying like twenty-five pounds a head to go for a rowing race at like the oldest and most established rowing race in the world. So it's kind of I don't know. I find it a bit weird sometimes. I think races. I think whatever it is, a sporting event in a sporting venue, it kind of costs what it costs. And if we don't pay that, nobody's going to like put the money up up, up front to um, to go. Uh, that's that's my big worry about water rowing than indoor rowing because indoor rowing's always got the online, and I think that's just going to keep growing. But water rowing, I think, is really going to suffer because people aren't prepared to say, "Oh yes, I'm going to pay more than twenty five pounds for a day's entertainment." So I can't. I kind of hope it it gets there. But anyway, okay. The, the thing I wanted to talk to both of you about is that you both seem able to just always have one more race in you in a way that I don't and I I don't I think I might organize younger but definitely not these days so Ian I mean was it the armed forces event where you did like 500,000 and a 2k in the space of about six hours or something yeah yeah and and they were all just blistering times yeah, I mean, the, the, the 500 surprised me because it was uh, 121.8 uh, 
X. Um, and I didn't think I, I'd be in that sort of shape, particularly as I knew I had two other races going. Um, but there is, there is, that's the thing about the, the live when you're physically sat next to other people, it just gives you that, that little bit extra. Um, and I didn't necessarily felt like I was pulling a 121 500 meters. And then to back that up with a 302 1K, I was thinking, that's you know, I was then expecting, oh, I'm going to be like a 605 for my 2K. But that that all fell apart. <laughs> how, how much time was there in between, though? About 40 minutes. Bloody hell. Jesus. I'm, no, I'm just like, yeah, I'm kind of gobsmacked about just like, I mean, is that something... Because I'd probably, literally, I'd have done, like, the 500. And I thought, I remember, I, you know, I, I pulled a 120. The last time I raced the 500, I pulled a 121 500. And I was really, really chuffed. And then I went and had a lie down for three hours. Um, <laughs> what, what is it in you that says, sod this, I, I, I've got a 1K in me, and then I've got 2K? I mean... I mean, yeah, it's, it's, that that's something you can do, right? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, and, and sort of bringing in the sort of the long COVID side of it thing as well now. Previously, I used to go to these things and I went to the Welsh Champs once um, and I pulled, uh, I think it was a 120 something, 120 something. Um, and during the race, um, I, abs I I blacked out. I couldn't see the screen. Um, everything was black. I could hear the chain going, and as it as it sort of as the screen faded out, I could see that I was in second place, and it was just a just keep going, couldn't see anything, just keep going, and then eventually when it, when it sort of stopped and I sort of focus came back, I was still in second. I you know I couldn't believe it, but there, there's it's it's I've I've not for a long time have I been in a position where I've raced and it's written me off like it did when I was younger. When I was younger, I would, you know, race a 2K and then you get erg cough and, you know, cough in the splitting the rest of the day. And I don't know if now I'm holding back because of the, the sort of long COVID sort of aspect of it. But I generally find that when I'm doing it, it hurts like hell. Afterwards, I recover quickly as though I haven't given it 100%. And there's, I, I can't really put a finger on it yet. So... I don't, I don't, I live for the moment. I don't think, right, let's, you know, let's hold back for the, the third race I'm doing later this afternoon. It's just, you know, I might not get through this race, just go for it. Right, okay. And and, and Dylan, because, I mean, I've, I've seen you do very similar things. It's just like a four-week race event, like, row series or something that wiped me out. I mean, absolutely, I've just been on my knees at the end of it, and you've just been like, sending around the links like this one starts next week let's go guys <laughs> yeah i don't know i i mean those those competitions i think that kind of fuels me i get excited to do those and the ones where you kind of have to strategize you know you need to get your the third rep is ranked and the total time and and your slowest or something like that like but those are kind of the most fun to me because you really have to strategize okay how hard am i going to go for the fast one how much am i going to leave out um i don't know that variety you know the newness of it i think that really helps and you know i haven't done many like live races multiple in a day like ian did i guess except not counting the 
worlds where I did the 500 and relay in the same day. But um, I think I can imagine doing some of the events like row series would really help prepare you for doing multiple events in a day. Cause all of a sudden now you've just got a little bit longer rest, but you, you know, it's all part of the same day. You have to prepare for, prepare for all those. My, yeah, my 2K I, I think PB, I, I, yeah. sorry, my 2K PB still stands as the first rep of a row series 2K, <laughs> 500 meters, 500 meters, 500 meters, 500 meters. I mean, I, I've equaled it, but I, I actually broke my PB in, in the first rep of a row series <laughs> interval. Yeah, that such was the need to get that time. And I, I do think that having that competition, it, it just, I mean, okay, right. I, I, I've spoken to the sports scientists about this and they say, oh no, you don't want to race your intervals. You, you don't want to like go all out and like all the time. You want to save that for race day. And, and I, I don't know. I, I, I can't live in that amount of discipline. I have to have like one or two opportunities a month to absolutely destroy myself. I just like leave myself on the floor. Otherwise I don't really feel like it's that type two fun. Yeah. Type two fun. Yeah. <laughs> you just, just got to chase that type two fun where you enjoy it afterwards, not actually during. I think I've always enjoyed a good interval workout, even when it was back running. Um, and I don't know. Now it's probably also a little bit of a combination of working as hard and trying to be fast while, before I get, as I get older, I mean, I think it's great to see people that are still in their fifties and beyond, you know, still working hard and, and yeah. doing these competitions. Um, I guess it, in one way, it, it kind of helps me stay young a little bit. Oh yeah. I don't feel my age when you're, you know, pushing hard on these workouts. And... Yeah. The, the, the beer afterwards hits a bit harder these days, but uh, yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. Ian, we've alluded to this. Um, but I did want to like properly talk about it. It's kind of a shame that Aaron's gone because he suffered from the same thing. But you have, you picked up a, a bout of COVID and it really hit you hard. And I was wondering if you could take us through that because I think it's probably of interest to a lot of people. And there, there's all this controversy about long COVID. There's a lot of controversy about how bad COVID is. But it's got to be said, you know, we've had two people on this chat who've had COVID and it's properly had a long-term in impact on them. So could you, like, take us through the story of that a bit? Yeah, so World Champs in Paris 2020. Obviously, I, I went to that. And that was, I, I'm, you know, I guess sort of end of 2019, beginning of 20 was when COVID was there in the background. It was... It was something far away and we didn't really, you know, yeah, it's just another one of those things. Um, February 2020, I was in Paris, came back from there feeling a, a little bit rough. Then we turned the world off and we all had to go and work from home. And at that, at that point, literally the, the week that, that we were all sent home to, to work from home and, and locked down, that was when I, I, that week was when I had the massive sort of flu-like symptoms, lasted a, a couple of weeks. I don't know. I, I can't recall a time ever having flu before. Yes, I've had a, a cold and that sort of thing. So I thought, yeah, you know, I, I you know, I must have COVID now. Working from home, world shut down, and, and whatever. Immediately after it, I just felt like I'd, I'd had sort of th those sort of flu type symptoms and, and coming out of it. 
Um, didn't think much of it, but then it started to think, things just started to come in like I, I was brain fog, struggling to think, fatigue, those sort of things. And I thought, this is just because I've been ill. But then my elbows randomly just really started to hurt. Didn't necessarily affect me when I was rowing, but if I tried to reach with a straight arm to pick something up, I, it would almost my arm would almost like collapse and I'd have to stand closer so my arm wasn't fully at length. And, you know, this was the, uh, without opening that can of worms, the, the media portraying that everyone was dying, hospitals were backed up. It was like, well, I'm, I'm kind of struggling a bit with rowing. I don't want to go to a doctor and say, you know, I'm, I'm having a bit of an issue here. So I kind of left it and then it, it became harder and harder to do anything about it. And the elbows and that sort of subsided. I, I, I was still felt the fatigue and, and I couldn't row anything long distance with any venom in it. I couldn't attack anything long, long distance. Up to 2K was generally okay. But my as soon as I start, I think my legs would feel heavy and burning like I'd already raced 10K. And again, I was sort of, you know, thinking, okay, I'll, 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 I'll get looked into it when, you know, when it all calms down and it, it didn't calm down for ages. And then I, I eventually got a um, long COVID referral to a long COVID clinic that was, that was down here, just, just up the road in Ipswich. Uh, it was, again, it was a series of teams interviews in dealing with and living with COVID, long COVID. It wasn't really anything that, you know, at that point it was two years that I'd had it. And at that point, I'd recently got COVID again. So all the symptoms that had gone away came back again. So I, I kind of, early days, I kind of had this, you know, should I be rowing? Am, am, am I going to be rowing? And all of a sudden, my heart's going to go, no, I'm out. So there was that sort of anxiety of, of should I be doing this? And then getting COVID again the second time and all the same symptoms coming back. I was I was a bit more sort of comfortable in doing it, and I think that's you know that, that that's probably the army mentality of I've had to deal with a lot of things in the past, injuries and such, and I've I've managed to work around them, and I've been at the point of I've been at the point of not being able to walk down the stairs unless I was walking down sideways because my knees were absolutely shot to bits and my legs wouldn't bend that way without me collapsing, and then you know the only sort of medical advice you get is to stop training if you stop training you put weight on you you get you're unhappy that that you get into that vicious cycle of you know, spiraling and and i thought i'm not doing that and i think rowing gives you that it gives you something that you can carry on with you know if you've hurt your leg your knee there's always something you can do to keep it going and and that really i think pushing that through through the the first covid helped and then I kind of understand it a bit more now. Um, and for me, I'm looking at November this year is the 18-month point of when I got COVID the second time, which if I go back to the first time, that's when I 2K PB'd again. So I'm not, I'm not putting it out there that I'm going to 2K PB in November, but I expect to be feeling better then than I, than I am now. Okay. I kind of so when the, so like during that second time that you had it, I I saw like I I kind of saw because obviously again it's like that thing you were talking about accountability. We all put post our erg screens. We all kind of know what other people are doing. 
And I did suddenly see like the 10Ks and the half hours you're posting. It's suddenly like, damn, this is like that that hit in, didn't it? That really, I really got it. But it, it seems like you're saying that you just, even if you're not necessarily fighting through, even if you're just using it to just kind of like make that kind of positive step to your life, keeping going with the activity is like a necessary thing. Yeah, uh, you know, and I, I'm fighting a different battle. So, particularly with 5K at the moment, I don't know why 5K is the most difficult thing for me to do at the moment. I I can't get under 18 minutes at the moment. I think probably a year, 18 months ago, I probably got a. I think it was a 17:55. But something about that distance, you know, my my body does not want to do that 148 split for for that long. You know, even the first, you know, the first 2K that I can easily do under 145, something stops me doing it in that first 2K of the 5K. Um, or if I do close to the 148, as I get into the third K, everything starts to, to to drop. And then when I when I finish the 5 or the 10, generally five minutes after it, I don't feel like I've done it. It's, you know, I, I recover really quickly. So I'm obviously... I feel like lung lung wise, I feel like I'm at the limit, but physically, mus muscles wise, it's it's thinking, okay, we're just going you know, casually through this because I recover quickly. I, I don't get erg cough anymore because I'm not I'm not redlining. I'm not in that that sort of zone. Yeah, I see what you mean. So so it's almost like the you can't get the oxygen in through the lungs, so the muscles are like stopping you from. Demolishing your lungs, essentially. Yeah. So when okay. I, I had this, I had this sort of discussion with um, with a doctor or or a physio, sort of early on, and the, and the what they were saying when when they didn't really know what was happening, it was what what the thought process is that um, COVID is attacking your lungs, so it scars your lungs, and then your body's autoimmune is to chuck mucus in to try yeah. and heal that scarring. That mucus is now in an area that you're trying to put obviously oxygen or air and oxygen into. So you're not getting enough oxygen out of the air through your lungs because this this mucus is all covering the inside of your lungs. And that that was one of the difficult things in in the in the first just after getting COVID both times is that with the high intensity heavy breathing, I was breathing up bits of phlegm and bits of mucus. And it it's obviously it makes you cough when you're when you're in a stroke and, and stuff like that. And I, I, I used to, ha I've still got it now. I've got a towel next to me that I'm quite adept at taking off gloves when I'm rowing and bits and pieces, but I can pick up a towel and do the old baby thumb swipe through my mouth with a towel and take some of the, the mucus away. And fortunately now it's, it's not that often it is there, but there is that, that occasion that you do, you do hit that gag reflex and, you know, you can feel that you're going to be sick. And, but, you know, it's, it's one of the things I have to do to get through. Yeah. Yeah. Again, no tea on really, isn't it? Christ. Um, yeah. I mean, it, uh, again, it, it's something that I don't think that gets a lot of attention. I, I think there's this real kind of like skepticism about long COVID. And I think, to be honest, I think there's a lot of skepticism about how bad COVID is just because it has such a wide effect on people. I got COVID 
twice and I was I think I've been really lucky it the first time I got it it was literally I got five days off work because I tested positive and it was like the last three of those this is well this is quite nice you know I was, I was just I was just wandering around the house it's just like I'll just have another coffee then um don't have to go into work um could you row then did you try or did you purposely so stay off five days off i think i think certainly by the last day i was I, I i went back and did like a gentle half hour or something so yeah it wasn't it wasn't a problem and for someone who who's basically asthmatic i never really you know twice i got it i never really got a bad cough with it i just felt like shit i mean that 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 was my that was my abiding symptom was just being utterly incapable of moving you get to a certain point you literally have to force yourself to get up and go to the toilet but otherwise it was just this isn't that bad but then yourself aaron they you know aaron ended up in hospital for a few days with her and um it's still affecting him now uh so i mean and again he's one of these people who just who can't not do some sort of training. He he's there and he's still going out on the water. He's not doing as much on the ergo, but he's out on the water. He's been racing. But if you asked him, he'd still say, Yeah, I've got long COVID. Um, you know, I'm I'm still not where I want to be. I'm still not back to what I want to be. But I just I mean, partly I think it's a really good thing that we've got an example of of someone who's like actually getting through it. So yes, it's horrible. Yes, it happens, but you know it's actually something you can recover from and get back to. So um, basically, kudos, guys. I mean, obviously, I came up with a little bit of a schedule about stuff we're going to talk about, and I mean, what are the things that you think you'd like to share with people about training, and what are your tips for people doing the indoor rowing thing? Well, uh, I'm just trying to think. You know, I think for somebody that's new or getting started. I don't know how many people are listening to this podcast that fit that category, but I think my advice to people that getting started is, you know, whether it is joining a group, getting on social media, watching YouTube, I think that's a good place to get started. And I think there's always more steps along the way to try to improve or do one more thing or start joining a competition, et cetera. Um, you know, I think there's different, as we've said, there's different personality types. We're type two fun people. Um, and we like to push our, push ourselves. And I think that's probably what brings our group together is we all have this like-mindedness of this like small, I call it a niche sport. Um, you know, I, I told my wife when I was doing the podcast, I was like, oh, I get to talk to people about rowing. She's like, well, you, yeah, you can do that anytime, but you get to talk to people that actually care about rowing. <laughs> it's a unique sport and I, I enjoy it. And I, the community part of it is by far my favorite. And I don't know. I, you know, I, maybe a question I could pass on to you guys is how do you get more people involved? Like I've, I'm in a local small community. I've had a few friends that have definitely seen me do it that are interested in it. Um, how do you encourage, or do you ever actually actively encourage other people to, to try rowing or ergon? Obviously during my, my, my time in the military, um, I think um, I was, I was doing this before there was sort of a, a sort of a big following in it, particularly in the, the military it was before the army indoor rowing team and, and things like that um speaking to people generally in the military and, and from 
from the areas of the military I came from, ridiculously fit people. They're, I don't know, there just wasn't that interest. I mean, you know, we, we were run here, run there, you know, put your pack on and, and run there and all that sort of, that sort of training. And, and going on a rowing machine was generally a warm-up, a warm-up for doing gym sessions and, and lifting weights. And I, and I, you know, I, I did my bit sort of when Facebook came in, posting and whatever, and then my friends would say, oh, you know, what's that you're doing? I was like, and then they, you know, they're not interested. And I'd, I'd invite them to come to events and do, but but generally it wasn't something that people picked up as, oh, that might be interesting. It's got a bit better now. And, you know, I've probably persuaded maybe one or two people in 20 years of rowing to take it up. But yeah, predominantly the people that, that I know that are in, in rowing now, our age group, we've got into it through injury, which I think if we didn't, we probably could have been a lot better a lot earlier. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I, I, uh, it's, it's a terrible thing to think because, yeah, I, I got into indoor rowing when I busted up one of my ankles kiteboarding. And so I couldn't, I couldn't run. You know, I, I started getting really bad Achilles tendonitis. And so I just said, right, I need something, you know, again, it's that kind of like, I need to kind of find a way of obliterating myself, basically. I kind of knew about the rowing machine. We had a rowing machine at the school I was in between 11 and 15, and they kind of had a rowing club there, but like not a big one. Um, and so I knew basically what to do. And I just used to do 15 minutes and I quite enjoyed it. And I quite like the feeling of, you know, that when you first start something, you know, you can go faster each time. And the great thing was you could measure precisely how much faster you were going. But yeah, I've been, I would say I've also been spectacularly unsuccessful at converting people into moving from cycling, moving from running into indoor rowing. Um, and even I've not even managed to convert crossfitters. And that really, really pisses me off. But it's just like they will take rowers out of rowing clubs, but they will not give back. They won't come back in. And I've, I tried to do this thing when I was at Maystone and Victor Rowing Club. And so it's like Little Town, East Kent. It's got a rowing club. And it's got a CrossFit gym. And I tried to get, I tried to arrange a competition between the CrossFit types and the rowing clubs, like a relay competition. And they just weren't interested. So I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to get people involved. I think the people who just come into it just kind of get in there and say, oh, this is fun. I get to get really, really tired. And most people are fairly few and far between. I think I there's probably I, I different levels of uh, demographics of different types of people that like what, you know, what their level of involvement is going to be. You know, one thought I'm just having, think, you know, hearing and thinking about these things is whatever it is that makes Peloton so successful, you know, there is, hasn't been kind of a similar um, success for, for the rowing. I mean, obviously the rowing machine, I think is too expensive to get people into it, but however Peloton set up that, a lot of people got into, you know, exercise biking at home, spin class at home kind of thing. Maybe something like that has more broad appeal to the masses that could then push people up to be more become more competitive. I, I, I think so. I, I think, you know, there, there are 
two or three, I think it's women's cyclists who have actually ended up in professional cycling teams because of indoor cycling. So I, I remember that there was this one woman who got bizarrely, it was in the it was in the Rio Olympic road race final. She got dropped on the downhill and they were saying the reason she couldn't keep up with them was because she wasn't an expert cyclist. She was just a powerhouse who people had spotted in spin classes. She was just she just had so much like watts, they said that we've got to get you on a bike. And yeah. she, she could stay with them up the hill. But as soon as it like got sure. fast and windy, she just didn't have the confidence. Yeah, you need to have a different experience than knowledge um, for stay with them. But Peloton, I, I think Peloton was like really good in that they they saw the pandemic, they saw the lockdown, and then they just threw money at advertising. And they kind of presented it as this luxury, glamorous thing that you could be like, I, I remember there's there's this one advert with this like really hot, skinny chick who got bought a Peloton by her obviously immensely wealthy husband. And it like it pissed a load of people off because they're saying, oh, wh- wh- why why is her husband saying that she needs an exercise bike? Does he think she's fat and stuff like that? And whatever. But the thing is, it worked. And loads of people went out there and they spent, I don't know how much Peloton books cost, but they cost a fortune. And then you have to pay a monthly fee to make them work. I don't, I think the cost for the bikes themselves isn't too much. I mean, it's only a little bit more than a concept, than a concept two machine, you know, at least over here. I don't know if it's different in England, but it's probably, you know, 11 to $1,500 for the lower end, you know, and yes, you do have the subscriptions. That's probably the, the different piece of it, but. Yeah, I mean, the, I think the subscription just pisses me off just because I'm not used to that idea. Like, you buy a machine and then it only works if, like, it's actually plugged into the internet and you're paying money. I but you're you're not opposed to a subscription, right? Like, don't you do you do the subscription for the well, uh, which, yeah, which... yeah I, I've got loads of subscriptions. It's just <laughs> like the machine, the actual. You don't want it to require and be tied to it, is what. Um, I'm like. Yeah, it, it, it's that idea that's like. They can remotely break your machine if, if you're not paying the money. Um, irritates me. Again, I just think that also, I, th- I think Concept 2 is like quite comfortable where they are. I, do, I don't think they're thinking, oh, yeah, we, we have to make. Have you have you seen there's a new, I don't know if you follow Dark Horse Rowing, but he posted something. I think he's a part of, uh, Shane's a part of this company. I think it's Myro. And they're getting an attachment screen that you can add to a C2 machine. And it's a big, like, 22-inch screen, maybe. And it looks like they have sort of similar classes and other data. Have you, did you see that? I just saw it, like, yesterday, two days ago. Yeah, I saw it briefly, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I feel I, like that'd be the perfect combination of, you know, the C2 machine and then with the additional classes or the other things. I mean, um, yeah, like pr- proper joint music. I think that could work. I, I mean, I, I think one of the things that I would say is that that's not something i necessarily want to do i mean like a classic group exercise class i i really like the idea of you know, something like the concept two loop but where you can see everybody else have you guys tried the loop i've done the loop just the the regular one on the erg data yeah the one you're talking about yeah i've done yeah. that i think what would be fun to do a way to like a I, this i don't know if this would be possible but if you could actually have like some AirPods in or something like that and actually be able to like talk to each other while you're doing yeah. it. You know, if you're like on an easy row and you're 
you know, at that conversation base. I mean, I was, you know, coming from the running background, you know, easy pace, you can run and, you know, talk the entire time. If you could do that, I think, while on kind of a group row, I think that would be pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, just like, and then you, you choose who you're talking to by how sure. So you're just like, oh, hi, how you doing? And, and, and almost like, have, or have a private group, whatever. Well, yeah. You, you've got a camera on your phone. And so you can, instead of like whatever that little icon is, you can just literally have your face just while you're wearing. I, I, I think that'd be really cool. I, 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 I think that would be brilliant if you, you could have, it's what you said, it's a lonely sport. I think bringing more people into it or having more communication would be brilliant. It, it was one of the things that Aaron said. It's like when we were at Agecroft, we all used to rock up at the same time, more or less the same time, and do our three by six K together. And you could have like 20 people in a room all rowing in time just made it made it go a bit a bit faster and you pulled a bit harder it was nice i think you know i have i come you know i've had some really good running groups and you know somewhat similar is you know we'd have these group runs early in the morning you know a couple times a week we were waking up at and meeting at 6 a.m and that camaraderie you know that every you know everybody's making those same same sacrifices uh definitely helps bind you together when you have that those shared experiences no i think that's what i think that's what the rowing clubs are then too in some way a little bit you know when we're doing the workouts together and yeah totally. i think particularly when you get when you look at the 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 slightly bigger live events like brick and like the the world champs i think you know everyone has a sport that they follow and a sport that they enjoy you know from from being a little kid kicking a football around and you're watching tv and you're seeing maradona and, and all those sort of people and you know the, the reality of I'm never going to be at that level. I'm never going to be on that pitch playing football with Maradona. But it's completely different in indoor rowing. You know, you could be out there on that race floor racing Graham Benton and you know racing Luke Wonslager, racing these big name people, and Ollie Ziedler. You know, the people that in that age group are out there. You know, there's an Olympian there, and you're racing against him. And you know, at the bigger events, you've got the you know, the, the walkout, the ring walkout and all that sort of thing. And it's it's the closest I think you can be to to being, you know, a star in, in that sport while you're while you're you're going out, you're coming out the Lee Valley Velodrome from the underground and there's a crowd cheering. You know, it, it makes it makes your Joe average person. It gives them that little bit of a you know, I've I've arrived in this sport. Yeah. I th- I think that'd be like if if there's something that you're gonna say to bring people in. To a sport, if there's somebody who's a runner, it's like, yeah, there you go, that's something. Or if they're a cyclist or a football player, it's like you can actually be in the same room as the Olympians, racing at the same time, racing against them. If you put your name into that category, and you don't mind coming much further behind them, you don't mind yeah. the, you don't mind the fact that like you know you can be like three people down from all these either and you're like pulling away and by the time you finish he's got his feet unstrapped it's uh <laughs> i think that was great about watching him at, at the worlds this last year because he was there live in person versus like some of the other yeah. folks that were virtual uh in their own little setups you know here's him just pulling away and then he was cheering the guy next to him you know who was still finishing his race afterwards um it was fantastic 
Yeah, he, he seems like a pretty solid guy. Well, guys, that has been absolutely great. Um, I think that's a really good place to end it. Thank you very much. And good afternoon, everyone. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's great to uh, talk really? to you in person for the first time. Fantastic. See you again, Ian. See you all soon.